You're listening to Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future with Naomi Brockwell. Welcome to the show, everyone. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the markets and seeing what's been happening there. I'm delighted to have joining us again on the show, Craig Cobb of TraderCobb.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's wonderful. Where are you uh, tuning in from at the moment? Uh, Sydney, which is covered in this crazy wild grey fog at the moment. Oh my goodness. So Sydney, this is what's happening in Sydney at the moment, live from the fog. So let's start uh, with Bitcoin and just look at what's been happening in the markets. I mean, we saw like a big, we, we, everyone was so excited. It was like heading up. Everyone's like, this is the end of the, the bear market. And then it kind of didn't really happen. So walk us through what your, your guess is of, of what happened there. Well, look, I mean, it didn't really happen, really. I mean, we saw a big move. Let's be honest, you know, that we've, we've seen from when we broke up from a significant level, which was back at four, about 4,400, we had, we had a bit of a point where there was a, low, a higher low and we had to break up for a higher high. From that point, this is not from the lows, but from that point, we are up 120%. Okay, we're up 120% from that point. Now, if you consider the, the, the decline that we saw through November of last year, that was only a 50% decline, which of course is 100% of the way back up, right? Um, so it was a similar sort of decline that we saw and everyone was just freaking out, you know, that we're going to a thousand, Bitcoin's dead, blah, 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 all the sort of normal stuff that we hear. Uh, Mark, well, that's right, my favorite, uh, my favorite one is that the markets are being manipulated. They're always manipulated when the market goes down, but it's always uh, just adoption when it goes up. Absolutely. <laughs> and more people entering the market because it's going up. Oh, someone's doing plain silly buggers out there that's going yep. down. If, if you're <laughs> going to play the manipulation card, play it consistently up and down. So we, we have seen an extraordinary move. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine weeks where there was only one red candle on the weekly and that red candle wow. is only 0.8 of a percent so do i think that the bull market is back it's there it's right there on the charts absolutely but do i think we'll see a pullback i hope we do and why is that markets need pullbacks to remain healthy if, if we don't have uh pullbacks then basically what we're saying is that all there is is buyers and if all there is is buyers that's a very dangerous thing to have because it will go up and up and up and up and up but the the the, the faster it goes up without pullbacks, two things. One, a trader like me doesn't get as many entries, which is what uh-huh. I want. Uh, and two, it, it, just, it just means it's going to, well, it's like a house of cards. It's like, you know, playing Jenga. The higher the Jenga tower gets, the more wobbly it gets, and then kaboosh, it, it, it all comes down. So you think that it doesn't have like a solid foundation of people entering into it? Maybe it's just FOMO and eventually it's just going to, you know, uh, collapse and... and- yeah. All right, it may, makes much. sense. Like, Pretty so much. that's just the Bitcoin market. What's happening um, elsewhere? Well, elsewhere, interestingly enough, we're we're uh, we're seeing most of the markets do what most of the markets do, which is kind of follow Bitcoin. The yeah. exception to that, and I'm talking about a daily chart. Like, the exception is right now at the moment. Really, Litecoin has um has led the market out again. We did see Litecoin uh, have quite a decent um run throughout the year. It, it led Bitcoin out for quite a while. Uh, it's been one of the top performing trends of uh, 2019. And, and and now it's kind of come back and, and sort of taken the mantle, if that's the right way of putting it. I mean, if we consider yesterday, let me just tell you what the price yes, um, yesterday's Bitcoin is currently up. Well, it's about to close in about 50 minutes, but it's up 
2.81%. The day before, 0.45%. The day before that, 1.25%. So let's, let's call it a 5% total, right? On Litecoin, over that same period of time, we've gone up 1.677, so call that 8 and then another six today. So we're up about 14 to 15% over the same period of time. Wow. Now, the reason that's interesting is that very often, Litecoin and Bitcoin, and what they used to call, if Bitcoin was digital gold, Litecoin was digital silver, right? That was the old acronym, or the way that, not acronym, but the way, the sort of saying. Yeah. It's led out again. Now, I have seen many times in the market where Litecoin has been the first cab off of the rank uh, when it comes to upward momentum uh, to lead the rest of the market out. And that also happens on the downside. Uh, and it, it seems to be really, really heavily leaning back towards uh, pushing towards the highs that we've seen in this recent trend. So maybe we'll see some exciting momentum over the weekend on Bitcoin. Do you find that when when Bitcoin is going down, I mean, obviously, it's all completely correlated when people say that they've diversified across different coins. They haven't really because everything's really linked. But I've noticed and I'm wondering if you have too, that when Bitcoin goes down, I mean, the altcoins go down a lot more because everyone just kind of goes back into Bitcoin. Um, and then when it goes up, do you see that the altcoins also go up more than Bitcoin is like, what's your experience in this feed? Yeah, look, it, it, it does definitely do that. It, it, it can switch like the, the button can change hands at certain times though. If you consider, uh, I mean, Bitcoin took off quite well. Uh, you know, well, back in early May, I think it was, um, was sort of when Bitcoin kicked up in a gear. Uh, we, in April, we got up through that, that, that strong level. And then since then, May was, May was pretty much our most bullish month we've had for quite some time with a very, very good move. Now, what happened with that was following on from pushing up, then we saw some of these bigger alts. So I'm seeing the, the, the larger alts actually take this, uh, this momentum on and move really, really well. Things like Ethereum, Litecoin, XRP, XRP had a really good spike, but it's, it's been really messy for quite a long time. Another I tend to ignore really XRP. I, uh, <laughs> Do you ignore I it? Yeah. I guess I'm not a trader, so I, uh, yeah. I can see reasons why people wouldn't ignore it, but yeah. So, um, well, I haven't sorry. had any trades for a long time. Right. A long time. Look, XRP was my favourite um, probability outcome uh, in the bear market. I was shorting it beautifully well. Like it was just setting up. So that'll make a lot of people happy. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I was making money off of their uh, their token price falling. But um, it's just got a wonderful consistency. It's got a lot of volume. That's one of the reasons why I like that top ten area. And I can use margin, so I can be trading um, everything apart from XLM. Uh, I can be trading with leverage, so uh, you know a little bit goes a lot further yep. as long as you know how to manage your risk. It's nothing to be scared of. I have people sort of say, oh, you trade on BitMEX, don't you get wrecked, R-E-A-K-T? No, <laughs> because I manage my risk. That's the whole point of trading. You, you, you learn to know what you're doing so you don't have that fear. You're educated to make the right decision at the right time. But yeah, the, look, the alts do definitely bleed at the same time as Bitcoin. They tend to bleed harder and faster, like you said. One thing I have found very interesting is um, since BSV came into the game, um, Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin's coupling of... 1% down move on Bitcoin, 3% on Bitcoin Cash. It's typically a three to one type scenario. Not all the time, but frequently, all right? Now, we didn't see this throughout the, um, the BSV period because it all got a bit rocky and funny, you know what yeah. I mean? Recently, I've been seeing, um, and it's not all the time, it's, not, it's definitely not all the time, but if Bitcoin's up a couple of percent, Bitcoin Cash tends to be up more and vice versa on the downside, which is a really good option because it's a fantastic hedge if you need one, uh, if the market's starting to fall, you know, I'll, I'll typically be in the bear market, be looking for a Bitcoin cash short if it was set up on both Bitcoin and Bitcoin cash, just because it's more volatile. 
Right. So what about B- BSV? I mean, I tend to try and ignore them as well, but I've been noticing that everyone's been saying that they've been doing real well recently. Is that true? Have you been watching that? Uh, yeah, I, I've got to be honest with you. Uh, I have not been trading that. Uh, and it's not because, um, you know, I'm someone who's like, oh, I think it's a bad thing. I, when it comes to trading, I, I really don't care what the project does. Right. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at a chart. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff like DaVinci coin, for example, has been having a really strong run of late. I don't know what the hell they do. I couldn't care less. <laughs> You're just watching patterns and, and pretty much. Yeah. So yeah. BSV, yeah, it's, it's, it's gone, uh, it's gone Burko. I mean, it, we went from, I'll tell you the dollar figures we kind of went from meandering along to, you know, around that $60 mark to right now $204 over a couple of weeks. So yeah, it's, it's definitely moved. I've not, I've not ever taken a trade on BSV. Um, it's just not set up for me. Yeah, and also, I mean, so many exchanges pulled BSV like they don't, uh, they don't support it anymore. So, yeah, it's still on Bitfinex, um, which is a leverage trading platform. So it's still available there. I mean, you can still get your hands on it, obviously, but um, yeah, I, it's not worth. There's, there's one of the things that's an issue for me around that is just so much noise. Um, I can't control a lot of things, um, but when there's so much, it's like um. It's like Tom and Jerry, you know, the market follows and fights and follows and fights and follows and fights. You know what I mean? Like they just constantly at each other's throats. And it's like, I don't, I don't agree with any of that. I think it's absolutely disgusting. I think it's, you know, why are we, you know, why are we going into the playground again? Why, why, why can't we just go, look, this is what I'm doing. That's what you're doing. That's, you know. Yeah, yeah, we could play with our own toys. It's totally fine. Um, Exactly. So what are some things, some tips that you would give people? Like what are some coins you think that are being overlooked at the moment that are performing particularly well? Well, it's, well, Da Vinci is, is one of them. I mean, I don't know what the hell they do. I really, God, honest <laughs> truth is I don't know what they do. Uh, they're listed on Hobby. Um, so that's one thing that um, you have to have a Hobby account. There's no leverage on this sort of thing. So I will trade with leverage. What's Hobby? Is that available just in Australia? Or is that worldwide? No, it's a worldwide. H-U-O-B-I. H-U-O-B-I. It's a big, a big exchange. Oh, Hobby. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, the Australian so accent. Tomatoes, tomatoes, right? Hobby. Because yeah. I used to call it Huobi. Then, then I met the guys at Horby and they're like, no, it's Horby. And oh, then I met the Australian director of Horby and he said, no, it's Horby. I'm like, does anybody know what it's called? Make up your mind. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, gosh. The H-U-O-B-I platform. So you think Da Vinci's interesting. Anything else caught your eye? <sighs> Look, I mean, Da Vinci's interesting because it's got a great trend. Um, I've been keeping a good eye on Hypercash as well. Uh, it's more of a midterm time frame play for me at the moment as it's got a really nice trend on the four hour. The daily's kind of just gone whishka straight up in the air. Um, other than that, it's it's really one of these periods of time that we're, we're needing to be patient. You know, like um, as a trader, there's, there's a lot of time when you are inactive, as in you're still doing your scans, you're still looking at the market, uh, but you're not click, 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 taking trades. You, you're, you're being available uh, and open to whatever's going to happen next. And because we've sort of gone up and we did really well through that push up, there were some really good setups and mm-hmm. very happy with that. It's not now about going, oh, that's, that's the market's money. I'm going to dabble around and see if I can make some more. No, I don't do that. It's, it's about sitting back and going, I need to be ready. I, I've done well in the last push up. That is now my money banked. My next job is to keep that and make more on top of that. So it's, it's a real period of consolidation as we're seeing at the moment and a little bit of a question mark around what we're going to do next. We're still struggling on Bitcoin around 8,000. Yep. I, I personally, my, my preference would be to see us pull back to 66. Really? Why is that a preference? Because it makes it very, very healthy um, 
on the weekly chart, uh, we, we, you know, we could even go as deep as six. I think six, six to six would be fine. Um, just to give you some numbers around why, uh, if we consider the 2017 bull market, um, each pullback that would happen on the weekly, which would tend to last for about three or four weeks, would be 34% to 30 to 42%, right? So we've seen these sort of 30 to 40% pullbacks very, very frequently. Now, for all those that are pulling their hair out as that pullback is occurring, what you've got to remember is that the average move from that pullback point is about 170% wow. up to 580%. All right. So the pullbacks, if, if you look at uh, statistically what markets do, the pullback is healthy, not because oh, I don't want the market to go down at all ever. We'll wake up. This is what markets do. If you look at it in the sense of it's a healthy thing, let it, you know, run the mar like run a sprint, take a breath, then go on swim the 400. You know what I mean? Like to have a rest in between. So you're ready to perform for the next one. Um, what we're seeing at the moment is it's an overextended market that needs to come back, take that rest. And look, if it does have that bit of a pullback and we go another 180% or something like we just did last time, and that gets us up around 16,000. I want to pull nice. that. Sounds nice. So what do you think? I mean, I'm just looking at like the 30 day trend here for Bitcoin. And I mean, we're up at the start of the month or like a month ago, we we're kind of at like 62 ish. Um, and then now we're at 8,000, as you said. So and then this week, if you just look at the seven day, it's like kind of, I mean, we've pulled back quite a lot. What was the high? It was like 882. Uh, yep. And then now we're down to, to 800. So it's, um, over what time period do you think like if we are going to get a pullback that that will occur like when we, when can we start seeing it move back up again what's your prediction i know no one can predict it but what's your guess uh look this is this is crypto so i mean we we could see a pullback the whole pullback on sunday <laughs> right <laughs> yeah well in the next five minutes uh yeah, it could it, happen it, it, uh it could really do that it could just tank right now and away we go but look it it tends to be again i mean i'm I don't think I just look at what's happened in the past and, you know, and, and sort of look forward and get an average. So if it was to follow something similar to what we've seen in the past, if you're looking at maybe three weeks, um, being this is the first week. If you note, we've got one red weekly candle right now. We haven't right. seen that uh, for, you know, and, and it's a real one. You know, it's currently this weekly candle is down 7.8%. Right. Nothing major, right? Um, and we're holding above 8,000. When we broke down through a couple of key levels of support for me um, on just double Fibonacci clusters, old support and resistance, and now we've got a lower high on the daily, I thought, okay, cool. Let's, let's, let's see this week that we've just had sort of sail past us. Let's see this kick in and, and let, let's have a 15% down week. Let, let's get this, let's shake some of this shit out of the way, make ourselves happy, get cool again as far as taking that breather. It hasn't really happened, which has kind of put me in, the position of which I'm like, okay, well, maybe, maybe we'll just consolidate for a while. Maybe it will be boring. I'd rather see it happen quickly because I want to get it over and done with. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's get it out of the way so we can get back to making money again. Uh, I'm happy to short the market on the way down. No problem with that. But it's really hard to trade a sideways market. So hopefully, hopefully the next two or three weeks, you know, give, give us a week or two and we, we get down to those points. Either that or we break new highs. They're the, right. two, they're the two scenarios that I want to see. New Did highs on the weekly. Do you have any guess as to what the initial uh, upward movement was caused by like a month ago? What in May, what triggered that? Do you have any, any guesses? Oh, I know exactly what it is. There was more buyers than sellers. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Do you know where those buyers are coming from? Is that something to do with like regulation, institutional players? What's your guess? 
I think it's got a, a lot to do with it. I, I do have a theory about who I think is coming into the market next. Mm-hmm. Um, if we consider the sort of pre-2017 or early 2017, it was, it was Bitcoin and crypto markets were pretty much exclusively people that were involved in tech already. Mm-hmm. Now, they were maybe gamers, they might have been in IT. They were quite savvy. They spent time at their computer and they were open to you know looking around. That wasn't me. Uh, then we saw 2017 come in where all of a sudden there was interest by some speculators like me uh, when I got involved. Still, it was a relatively young market. Then on the huge push up, um, we saw a lot of mums and dads just FOMOing and you know buying Bitcoin at 17, 18, 19, $20,000, right? Um, the next generation, I believe, between 40 and 65 will be the next new high for us. And here's the reason why. That's an age group that were either around for the dot-com boom and bust all they were old enough that are actually involved in that mm-hmm. so in 2017 they went well we've seen this before i'm not going to play this game i'm not going to buy it at 16 000, i'm going to see what happens because they've been burnt before they've watched it happen they walked back they sat up they, they, they stood back and went no nah, i'll just watch bushka down it went so it gave them the confirmation that they were right now they don't want to buy the bottom and they don't want to buy the top now we've come back, it's alive, it's back in the press, we've got derivative products, we've got big brands, uh, big companies involving the blockchain and Bitcoin and a lot of other areas of, of our space. So now it's waking up that giant once again. Now these people are people that are investing currently, buying stocks, not in their portfolios that's in their pension funds or their superannuation or whatever you are, wherever you are in the world, but actively they've got disposable income and they're buying and selling shares. This is a new frontier market for them. They saw what happened in the dot-com boom and bust. And now out of the top five companies, I think three are um, uh, uh, from the dot-com era. So they're, they're savvy enough. Mm. I think they're coming and they start with a lot more money too. So the next move higher could be a beauty. Interesting. Well, let's hope that uh, if they put all of their, their retirement money into, into this, they don't get wrecked. Like, oh my gosh, I hope that they're very careful. I never tend to give anyone investment advice, but I just hope that people know what their risk limits are and, and yeah, don't overreach. It's, uh, it's always a bit scary. As we wrap up now, I mean, I want to get this video out as soon as possible. As we mentioned earlier, you know, things can happen in like in a New York minute uh, in this market. It's so volatile. So we could put this video out in like an hour and by then the market's completely changed like what were they talking about this is not what's going on so we'll get this uh, out as soon as possible but just as we're closing up like anything else exciting that people should be taking note of or anything interesting that people should be watching oh there's always things that are interesting um i'm really excited and, and watching very closely the rollout of these new uh, derivatives uh, derivatives are a really important part of any market's uh, growth stability and adoption uh, derivatives being like you know the cme futures uh, I want, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes and in. And they've had all, their largest uh, volume since uh, 2017, uh, haven't they? This uh, this past month has been up. really, really huge for them. Now, what's really great about that is that's, it, that's if you watch the volume on that CME contract and you watch how it's growing, what that's telling you is that that is institutional play. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't run a hedge fund without being able to hedge your risk with derivatives. So I know that there are small, like a proper fund. I'm not, I'm not talking 10, 20, 40, 100 million. I'm talking a big fund, right? Um, they're not going to come into this space with a decent amount of money unless they can hedge themselves because you can't, as, a, as an institutional investor, you can't just sell your money and go and sit in cash or in Bitcoin or whatever, right? You've got to have a, a certain amount in the market. So it's going to be interesting to see how this rollout of the futures, what's coming next with Fidelity and all these different players coming in. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about that. I think 2019 is the year of the um, uh, the 
derivatives markets and we need it. The market futures, well, the ETFs will finally get approved. <laughs> We've been watching this for so long and everyone's oh, like, so is it now? Money. No, it's not. Is it now? Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> but I don't look, the ETFs, I think that's been like the, um, I don't know, like, it's like a distraction. The, the ETF, yeah. it's not what people, I think people think that it's something that it's not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like derivatives are so much more important than an ETF. You know, ETF, ETF to me. <laughs> ETF, ETF, and you can <laughs> quote him. Well, it's been really wonderful chatting with you today. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show and, and let's chat back in and see how the markets are uh, doing later on. Sounds good, Naomi. Thanks for your time and uh, thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks so much. To watch the video version of this episode, please visit Naomi Brockwell TV on YouTube, BitChute or Library.io. A huge thank you to my Bitbacker and Patreon supporters, and thanks to you for listening to this episode of Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future with Naomi Brockwell. I'm a Bitcoin staring, I'm staring the status quo. Got that crypto going and that foul to flow. In the algorithm, I'm gonna get him a deal.